Hello, this is Danny, and I have a guest here named Allie, and we are going to talk about uh, advocating and basically disability um, justice, I guess. Would yeah. Be the, yeah, disability justice and advocacy. Yeah, activism. cool. So, Allie, um, what brought you into this field? Like, why, why would you like to be a DSP or, or somebody that would advocate for people with disabilities? Um, well, when I was growing up, like, I have a sister with um, intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, she's my younger sister, Maria. She has autism and Down syndrome. Um, and I guess, like, I was really fortunate because when my parents raised me with my sister, they, like, both had had previous experience working with people with disabilities. So it was, so I was kind of, like, raised with, like, people with disabilities, not just, like, my sister, but my mom used to work in group homes, and, like, we would still visit with some of the people she used to work with, and my dad is really involved in a day program in Rochester, Minnesota. Nice. Um... So there's, like, people, like, adults with disabilities that I've, like, that have known me my entire life. So I think me and my sister were really lucky being raised in an environment that was encouraging like that. Yeah. Um, and my first experience working with adults with disabilities was I worked at a day program for, like, a break um, in between college semesters. Um, and, like, it was, like, a first little taste of like of what it was like but when I started getting really involved it it was with cow tipping press okay um I had graduated from college like didn't really know what to do job wise um I didn't really know what I wanted and I found this opportunity to do the fellowship and I thought it was really cool because I had never ever thought of because initially when I did the research like cow tipping press is primarily with creative writing classes and I thought it was so amazing because as someone who, like, I love literature, like, that was mm-hmm. what I studied, and I would always study, like, post-colonial literature and, like, talk about, like, race and feminism lenses and queer lenses and all of these things that I had never ever thought or hadn't really thought a lot about ableism in literature. Mm-hmm. And um, because Brian also has a sibling with a disability and, like, I didn't really like I never grew up with anybody that could really relate to my situation or who yeah. would openly relate to having a sibling with a disability it was like so amazing to have people to relate to in that situation because yeah. like my friends are really great and they're really supportive but I mean like they can't relate to me so there's like a little bit of a barrier type thing yeah Yeah. or there's just like a little bit of a hole like that's just not like I can talk to my friends about a lot of things but like when it comes to talking about my experiences with my sister that's like a one-sided conversation and that's okay because there's things that they have like that I can't relate to but yeah um yeah and then ever since like I found this community like I think it's really great because I feel like it is like a really inclusive and welcoming community if you find like the right places so that's why I really like got involved with cow tipping press and I really like working with disability activism where I can and yeah good good so um when you heard of the cow tipping press um and you you I heard you chose the fellowship first Mm -hmm. and then 
what was your take on the fellowship? Like what 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 did you like and dislike about it? Like what what was your basically overall, you know, takeaway from it? I think the thing that I really like about it is that it's activism in practice. So basically with the fellowship, you have the separate meetings that fellows have with Brian and Brian gives you homework like he'll be like okay I want you to read this and this and then respond to it in discussion and in your monthly journal and I really like the idea of like active activism because I think I mean like everybody I think who cares about social issues is pretty guilty of like sometimes being on Facebook and being like oh these people are wrong and I really believe in this but like aren't necessarily like on the ground and so it's like a really interesting way of like growing and applying activism in a way that I think is a really special opportunity kind of like firsthand Yeah. yeah and so like and I could see myself grow a lot I think that I think the things that I didn't like is kind of reflected in like a lot of fellows experience where it's like you feel like you're constantly fighting a hopeless battle and it can be really draining I think for me, it was really hard just because working in this field that's so important is not a very financially stable thing. And as someone who has has loans, has to pay rent, like, I have to save money, I you know, I have to pay for my insurance, like, that kind of stuff. It's really hard yeah. when you're not getting paid enough to concentrate on doing, like, a good job. Um, <laughs> and so I think overall, like, maybe... Maybe it's some parts of the experience I don't think I necessarily appreciated as much as I should have. But then there are definitely parts that were, like, super worth it. Like, I still email one of my old clients. And, like, I went to visit in October. And they, like, everybody, like, remembered me and were like, oh, when are you coming back? Like, I think there's a lot of really wonderful relationships that I made. And also, like, as someone who has anxiety and depression, it was, like, really great working with some of my clients who kind of like like I feel like when you're in a when you work with people with disabilities and like I think a lot of people have anxiety and depression in general but like especially in a community where people are like extremely marginalized and like Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of good mental health care for people with um IDDs yeah it's like really like it was like a place where I felt like my mental illness was actually like a really good like strength yes because I could like when people were like going through problems with anxiety or depression it made it like a lot easier for me to like relate to them in at least some way like even though everybody experiences those things differently to be like oh it's okay like when I'm anxious like I know I do this thing too or like you know, one time I was really anxious and depressed and, like, I did this really silly thing. And, like, there's that, like, ground of empathy that, like, I was able to give and then people were able to give back to me. Um, so it was, like, a good place to kind of be vulnerable but not in, like, a way that people see it as a weakness. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that about working at, like, in the fellowship. In nice. Canada, yeah. So... Um, yeah, I, I, I can, I can't really relate because I didn't do the fellow, but like I can understand why you would say that you could be a little more open with these people because they don't judge, they don't, they, they kind of like back you up and, and, and I, I like that about people with 
disabilities, they, they, they're more open to being affectionate towards others and like, um, especially with like a lot of the cow tipping press, um, teaching classes, uh, I've noticed that, um, supportive is key because like a lot of these people in the classes would support the other authors and say, you know, yeah, go ahead and read your piece. You know, and even if they say, no, you wouldn't like it or no, it, it's too personal or whatever. And then, you know, they say, please, you know, we, we, we hear, you know, your stories and it's really insightful and, and they, they like, it's just the, the, the need for support in these, these cow tipping writing classes. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. So on that note, um, now that you tried a teacher role this, this semester, um, I, I read your, um, not orientation, the but presentation. the presentation thing yesterday and I, it was, it really caught my eye because like you, 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 you weren't, uh, you were ready, but you weren't, you weren't ready for a lot of the spontaneous things that happened. Um, like for instance, you said in your writing that for the first class, only two people showed up. And it was the the reading at the end. Okay. Um, but yeah, I had a very small class. Like yeah. I only had like seven people. Okay. And we had some like a couple people who couldn't even consistently show up because of transportation. Needs. Yeah. So we we had like a pretty small class overall. Yeah. And everyone was pretty shy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I noticed with my class they. A lot of them didn't like standing up and presenting. They'd rather, you know, just sit where they were. So it, it was very hard for me to get them to stand and present. Um, I think only three of them out of the nine people I taught were would stand. And it's yeah. like, and I wanted them to get ready for the presentation, tomorrow, which is tomorrow, the book reading. And um, I'm hoping that they would have the courage to do this. But it's just... One of these things that, yeah, I, I myself, seeing that I did it those three semesters um, as an apprentice, it was it was nice because I got to meet these people, make, you know, friendships, um, and see how they write. Because, like, uh, like, even, like, the first semester, there was this girl that loved to just write with funny, like, really weird aspects so like one was about aid mill road and how she was like yeah please fix I, yeah please fix. <laughs> and that was nicole and i'm like oh my god it's just the way she writes it's just super funny and she, and stuff like that and then there's like one in this recent class that i did his name's jeff and he he was very personal in a lot of his writings about like how his mother passed away and how he became more vulnerable but yet at the same time was more able to advocate for himself seeing that you know he knew his mom would want that so it was it was it just like a lot of these stories that I, I I read and typed up were just amazing stories and like and, and like I told you at uh, told people at the um, meeting that my my class was a very uh, advocacy based because it was through a self advocacy group. Mm -hmm. So I mean, a lot of these stories were based on advocating for themselves and stuff like that. And 
even though the theme wasn't really put in place, it was it was nice to see that a lot of these students were like talked about how they were able to overcome or advocate for themselves, and it was nice. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so the next question would be, um, if you could say a brief, let's say, thirty second, like sponsorship to cow tipping press like basically <laughs> like you want to put it out there like a little commercial yeah. like what would you say about the cow tipping press and like between the 30 second to four, yeah. you know a minute you know like what would you yeah. tell people about it i feel like if you're like a young person who doesn't know anything about disability advocacy but still wants to make a difference cow tipping press is a really good organization to work with um the like it's really great for the fact that brian and rachel are very like empathetic people that treat you like a real person when they work with you which is not something that you can always find in the workplace Mm -hmm. um and because i really like a lot of their philosophies in terms of like nothing about us without us but also that like I think when people find certain social issues they think that they can't enter in that activism area without having some prior knowledge but especially with like disability justice and people not having um, he doesn't bite that hard. I mean, <laughs> if he tries to bite you, he just little nibbles. It's really cute. He doesn't bite hard at all. <laughs> but um, the thing about it is, like, like especially with just disability justice being, like, a very marginalized topic, yeah. I think it's a really good way to hit the ground running with finding out all of these this new information. But I would say, like, make sure you're emotionally prepared because I think that yeah. it's really easy to be like oh I will go to a day program and make a difference but you're putting yourself in probably one of the hardest areas to work in and like in terms of like support overall so, so um, yeah like make sure that you're ready and like make sure you're ready to grow I guess I mean, it's probably longer than 30 seconds, but, but it's no, that, still, that works. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a really good organization to work with. I think that, like, um, I wouldn't obviously be here like a, a little over a year later if it was a bad place to be. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, my take on the disability um, side would be my little blurb would be like. If you really want to be creative and put your your words out on print, um, this is a good uh, organization to do that. If you're developmentally disabled or physically disabled, um, and you want to really get your your uh, your point across, especially um, through creative writing, um, Cal Tipping Press is definitely a place to go. Um, and I like how they have like these set genres of poetry, nonfiction, fiction, journalism, just so that you can see the whole aspects of creative writing. Um, and so like I would recommend if you 
are someone that has a disability and wants to voice your 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 let out your voice and and write and create writing it's definitely a place to go um uh to to write free write and um i mean yes there's prompts but free write about your life or or what you believe in or and stuff like that so i i really like it and i, I myself have been all three i've been you know a uh, student for a while and yeah, now they're fighting over there <laughs> a student um a, an apprentice and a teacher because my second semester um uh that i only taught i taught like the last three classes because the other teacher um was uh had to leave out of town so it was fun to be a teacher and create these mm -hmm. classes and stuff like that and i i know you could relate by like choosing readings and and um letting people like talk you know kind of bounce their ideas off without doing the brainstorm and stuff so like i said i i highly recommend cow tipping press to those who want to voice their opinion that are are um disabled so um so my last question for you is um let's say uh how would i put this let's say you had the opportunity to you know how they do the 20 percent projects mm -hmm. at the meetings what would your what would you like to do to spread the voice of cow tipping press well, like in, in in any aspect you know in my so i'm going to be starting my new job at the u as a senior access assistant so i really want to connect um cow tipping press further with um the the community of people with disabilities at the u especially because i think that it's really important for people across all ability levels to be connected with each other. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that like the disability collective that they have there is really great. I also think that like it's really important for people in higher education, like specifically like people with I like disabilities in education to get extra support when the because it's just a system that doesn't work for most people to be honest but yeah, especially yeah. not people with disabilities correct and so i think that like having that because i mean it's important to it's already kind of started i guess brian talks about this all the time but to get writing from places like cow tipping press further integrated into like our school systems is really important to have it cons be considered like part of the literary canon, even though like, you know, in some ways you can ar ar argue that that's kind of superficial, yeah. you know, like if it's written and it's about someone's experience and they're talking from their own experience and representing themselves, that's just like inherently important, you know, whether or not someone is like, ah, oh, this deserves a Nobel Prize. But, um, you know, it's important to know how to use those kinds of established institutions and um, I'm also really excited because when I was in college, I was like really active in the Arabic department and I really like love the people there. And I know that there are specific, um, 
places where there are some students in that department that need help. So I'm like really excited to be the kind of like specialized help that can like branch that crossover. Okay. So I think that, you know, I just like want to get my interests in disability advocacy and like my academic interests to crossover because I think that, you know, there are a lot of things that including cow tipping press and just like networking in the community kind of what uh david perry was talking about yesterday yeah, in terms yeah. of like when you do activism like do it locally yeah um i really like want to do that um once i start in january i think that it'll be good <laughs> uh, so uh you just opened up a couple questions for me mm-hmm. um do you speak arabic yeah. You do? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I only know, like, standard Arabic, so that's, okay. like, the stuff that you would hear the president speaking on TV. Okay. Um, and most people speak, like, dialect. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, like, kind of, like, my other interest is reading and trying to be better at that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And can you write it? or? Yeah, okay. I can, like, yeah. I can write basic. Like, I text my friends, and it's pretty easy terms of writing like longer things i still kind of struggle because grammar is pretty hard but it's yeah. not I, I don't think it's as hard as people want to make it seem yeah okay uh and then the second question would be um if you could branch out to other countries or other cultures about i wouldn't say just cow tipping press but disability advocating in general yeah like where would you go with it? Like, I know you have um, connections with UAE, mm-hmm. uh, United Arab Emirates. Um, would what? Uh, and I know that certain countries have certain laws and all this other stuff, and like some have no real freedom of speech and stuff like that. So, like, if you had a chance to kind of be a, uh, I wouldn't say a liaison, but. Uh, an ambassador or something like that for disability advocates in another country what would you would you take on that responsibility and would you which country would you choose like what like do you know any of the countries that could use disability advocacy i mean i feel like i feel like it's it's hard because i feel like disability advocacy is underserved everywhere in the world um i think it's really easy for people to look at like third world countries and be like oh you know they don't have this this and this so they can't possibly think like this i don't think that's necessarily true um and also i think that when you're doing productive work in another country it's the same thing that brian had like the same idea of like nothing about us without us so Mm -hmm. i think in terms of like disability activism whoever is doing that in whatever country like it needs to be the people from that place because i could go like i the only country that i've been to outside of the u.s and um like walking across the border to mexico is morocco and i actually saw like a lot of people with disabilities on the streets and on the buses and stuff like that um and the thing is is like i spent a month there But, like, I don't know, I still don't know the ins and outs of, like, culture and, like, how to communicate with people and how people talk about these issues. 
So I think that, like, in terms of, like, facilitating ways to enact advocacy, I would love to, like, help anybody with that, no matter where it is. But I also think that, you know, when there's activism in a place, like, you know, I don't want to be the white person that hops across any border and says, like, this is how you have to do things, because that's just, that's, like, flashback to colonialism and stuff like that. Exactly, yeah. I think that, um, I think, like, one thing that I am interested in is, you know, especially, like, support for even, like, around the Twin Cities for, like, immigrant communities with people with disability. There's actually a really high rate of people with autism in, um, like, in the Somali community, um, or at least I read that in a City Pages article, Mm -hmm. so I think it's true, but maybe, I don't know. Um, but like, you know, and, and still like, I would want someone from those communities to like be uh, the main source of like direct connection. But would I love to like help connect people and make resources and, um, help facilitate like that, that support? Of course. Like I would definitely like love to do that because I think that, you know, I've seen this post on the internet, like someone using the R word, um, about some like electronics place in Egypt and someone had pointed out like oh like using the R word is really offensive because of this this and this and someone else commented saying well in Egypt like we don't have the privilege to like think about disability which is not true because especially in places where maybe like people are having problems accessing healthcare or supporting whatever health needs it's like you know it's not a privilege to like think about people with disabilities because like that's just a that's like a given like you just care about other people that exactly. you see every day yeah you know like maybe you know maybe there's like a different conversation to be had about like people knowing like ableist terms or like some kind of like theory but um like i don't know there's no option of like not thinking about it because it's just these like people with disabilities are people that exist and exactly and um they deserve to be cared for yeah so um and like they deserve to have the support that they need regardless of where they are i agree yeah because like with my uniquely us group i i want to advocate not just for people with autism which is the main reason for my group but for anybody that is developmentally disabled who who needs a voice who needs to be heard um and not to be envied but to be accepted and um i mean there's a lot of people especially with the autism on the autism spectrum that um tend to stay introverted because they're afraid of other people and what they think. And I myself am a very extroverted person that is very rare for people with autism to be very social and, and make friends. And I think it's because of the social boundaries that a lot of people with the autism spectrum have, um, not knowing how to say certain things correctly or saying certain things but other people find it offensive or, you know, just 
uh, certain ways on how people with the autism spectrum have communicated. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that I want people to understand that uh, my take on autism is it's not a disability, it's a missability, what I call it, is a misunderstood ability. So, like, we're not really technically disabled, we just think differently. We, we process um, information different ways than neurotypicals do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I feel that with my group um, and this podcast, um, to kind of talk to people that that one have uh insight on autism like you saying with your sister um or people that want to have resources out there to guide people to groups or or things that people with autism can not just have to meet once a month but could be like have like a weekly dinner group or something like that or uh, a game night that they can do once a week or not have to wait just a month out of the uh, one day out of the month just to meet people that have autism and it's like and and I mean my overall mission in life is to eventually I wouldn't say open up a center but have a place where people with autism can go and make friends yeah. and and not have to feel judged and I know awesome does a really good job with that um they um they have a monthly group that that meets and um you know they have these little rules where you know like one is like not having uh something's in my eye um like having not too much perfume because people have sensory issues, not being too loud, not disagreeing with other people because that's their opinion, not you know, and stuff like that. So accepting what you hear and not having to argue about it, that which is sometimes with people with autism think that's not right. But, you know, a lot of people with autism have to understand that people have their opinions and stuff like that. So... Um, just being able to have a place where people can go be recreational with other people, um, and like do video games or play sports or, um, just have like book clubs or, or something, you know, just, just so that, that people that are autistic don't have to feel like they just have to stay alone and in their house and, you know, and, um, I actually know an individual. His his name's Alex. I'm not going to give last names here because of you know confidentiality reasons. But he he's a friend of mine that oh I wouldn't say friend a a an acquaintance that works with me at my job, and I know for a fact he tends to keep to himself. Um, he lives with his parents in the apartment, and it's just I feel like he's capable of doing more. Um, and having his own apartment and being his own, I guess, maybe even guardian or whatever. I, I What I'm seeing is he's very capable of doing things. I mean, yes, he tends to be messy. Yes, he tends to do things his way. But it's just, I, I think a lot of people with autism, that especially that I work with, like Patrick and Alex, I think they're capable of doing so much more. And 
they're afraid to do t- so much more because of the fact that they've grown up with the support system of their parents and they feel afraid that if they go on their own like me i'm i'm alone and i'm on my own yes my apartment's <laughs> messy I, I i know you guys can't see this because it's an audio cut podcast but i'm trying to rearrange things get rid of stuff and clean out my place because i mean it's just there's piles of magazines there's piles of newspapers there's I'm not saying I hoard them. I just I want to properly dispose of them and 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 have like a organizational system here. So um, I'm trying to just kind of organize things and make things look a little neater. And seeing that I have a couple days off, I'm gonna do that and get the things ready. But um, so the the thing to wrap up with is kind of a a fun thing is um, I will ask you. A what if like a question like what if you could and it's just a, a fun thing so if you had any superpower that could that that you could choose what would it be oh it's so hard um I feel like it's kind of overdone, but I don't know. The first thing that comes to my head is flying. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is just because I really want to travel, but yeah. plane tickets are really expensive. Yes. So it would be really, and like, it's hard to get off work. So I think it would yeah. be fun to be able to like fly and like, I could go somewhere for the weekend. Like I've always wanted to go to Egypt. I could go to Egypt for the weekend. Yeah. Or... <laughs> Or something like that. Um, or it'd be, I wouldn't have to worry about my car. Yeah. Um, yep. Unless there's like a snowstorm, I guess. But I don't know. I think it would be fun to be able to fly. That would be cool, yeah. What about yeah. you? Mine would have to be... Hmm. Let's see here. I would like to, let's see here, there's so many that I would like to have, and choosing just one is very difficult. <laughs> um, I'd hate to say the power to imitate others, but like, to be like a like an illusionist, mm-hmm. kind of, but like, I don't see how you could use that in any way to... <laughs> Like, help others. Um, If I had to, like, choose a power that could help others, let's see. Um, Let's see. Uh, Probably kind of on the brink of Superman kind of thing where I'd have, like, super strength but also... Or what's that guy's name? Um, Um... that uh it's on netflix what is it his name he's bulletproof but he's like strong uh, uh cage it? or not cage luke cage luke cage i think it is or something like that yeah, yeah. i'm not too well versed in superheroes so. yeah i think it's luke cage um but yeah he's like an african-american guy who's like yeah, bulletproof cage. skin and like that's what i would like is yeah. like to be able to not have to worry and like be like 
super tough and like be able to help others um and stuff like that yeah. so like yeah i'd also like to add that if i can fly i will i am able to take other people with me yes because then i could take i don't know maybe i could travel with people who couldn't usually travel yeah because i could just take them wherever the other the other power I would really be interested in is the power of teleportation. Yeah. Maybe that's better than flying. Yeah. But yeah. like to actually just be able to like think of a place and teleport there. I've wished that so many times. <laughs> yes. Especially with the winter coming and it's just so hard on my car yeah. that it's like oh, I just wish I could think and I'll be somewhere else. Like, yeah, and I mean, I, I I know flying is nice and everything. It's just, if I could just, like, think of a place and just snap my fingers or do some way of, like, just going there, it would be nice. Because it would just, it would ease a lot of congestion with, you know, traffic and and the bus system and all that stuff. And just to be able to, like, okay... Like, for instance, if I have to work, I just get my clothes on and then say, you know, AMC and I snap and I'm there, you know, or whatever. It just, it'd be so much more convenient than having to, like, take a bus an hour and a half to hour and 45 minutes just to get there. It's like, oh. That's how long it takes you to get to work? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, because, like, the, the, the stupid thing is, I'm right here, AMC is, like, right here, and the Twin Cities is right here. So I have to go all the way up to the Twin Cities and then all the way back down mm. to Invergrove Heights. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about when I start my new job is that there's no bus that goes directly to the U even though I'm probably like a 10 minute drive away. So yeah. I have to like take the bus, go downtown, transfer, and then get there. So I'm hoping that, yeah. um, that I can ride my bike most of the time. Yeah. Because it's crazy takes so long even though it's not that far away no and it's it's really weird how like it's it would be so much more convenient if they had a route that went that way but yet they don't it's like <laughs> metro transit isn't that great no <laughs> yeah like the last couple of days i've noticed that there's been some uh people that have been very irate and so they've been like obnoxious on the bus and stuff so it's 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 kind of one of those things that, you know, public transportation is nice, mm -hmm. but it's not convenient. Yeah. Have you, like, because I know when I went to the disability advocacy, or, yeah, self-advocacy conference. Yeah. Um, there was someone who, like, he lives on his own, um, and he has a job, but, like, for his job, he can't take public transportation. I think it might just be that there's just no way that public transit would take him there. So yeah. he has to take Metro Mobility instead, but you can't do that. I can't. I tried to get certified for Metro Mobility, and they won't accept it because I'm too uh, knowledgeable on the bus routes. Oh. Yeah. Stupid. It's stupid. But. I mean, in general, like, public transit doesn't work for most people. Like, yeah. you know, like, the most people that need to use public transit to get to work and stuff are, like, people of color. And, like, yeah. you know, it's like the 
that's I feel like that's a lot of the reason why people that don't necessarily care about is because the people in power it doesn't really affect them yeah as much I don't know but that's weird I take the bus to work but mine is like a half hour ride yeah yeah that that's, doesn't make sense because like it was nice that when I worked at HCMC it took like 40 minutes <laughs> but um you know I mean, all I had to do was take the 46 to, to like the light rail and just take the light roll in. And it's just so, so much convenient, but, um, yeah. Do you have like, um, like a future job that you really, really want or yeah. It would be the job I mentioned about like helping people with autism and just being like working in the autism center. Like an autism advocate or something, you know, like, mm-hmm. like go out and go to places and advocate for people with autism, I yeah. guess. That would be like my main job that I would love to do. Yeah. It just kind of help because like, I don't know the if you know the backstory. Um, my dad was a very, um, what would be that uh, word? Uh he always put others before himself. So, like, he Selfish? would... Selfish? What? Would it be... Oh, no, put others before, before himself. himself. I was yeah. thinking he put himself yeah. before... No, no. Yeah, selfless. Selfless, yes. He was very selfless. So, he he would always help others. Like, there was this one time we went to 7-Eleven, and there's this woman that basically got kicked out of her car mm. by her, I guess, boyfriend or whatever, and she needed to get to her to her mom's. And so, her baby and her were like sitting outside in front of the 7-Eleven and my dad's like and she sees her crying and you know is there any way I could help you and she's like I need to get to my mom's my baby's hungry and the food's there at my mom's and I and my boyfriend just yelled at me and kicked me out of the car and so and, and so you know we took her to her mom's and it was just one of those things that it, it was nice that she you know, we were able to help her out and that she was grateful for that. But it's just one of those things that I like how he would always put others before himself and be so selfless. And and that's what I want to do is, like, be there for other people and, and not always have to think about myself or my needs, yeah. but be there to help other people with what they want and what they need. Yeah. That's one so. of the things that I really... That I... That makes me really sad about the current state of human services because, I mean, I experienced this myself and I think, like, Brian had us read a paper about this, how not only do we, like, socially need to support people with disabilities better, but we also need to support their supports better. Yeah. Because it's really, like, you know, there are some days where it's, like, it's really hard for me to think about how to support other people when I, like, can't pay my bills when I get home because I don't get paid enough or like I don't um you know like I can't like I have to have a second job because I don't get paid enough it just like really sucks when like we just can't assume like people can't like you know like you shouldn't have to think about those things like you should be able to have work that can help you lead a dignified life and so Because I think that's, like, one of the really big issues in general, like, in a lot of care jobs, like, in nursing homes and stuff like that is, 
you know, like, it doesn't justify people doing, like, really awful things or anything like that, but it's, like, the difference between me doing my job and having, like, a really productive conversation or, like, being emotionally available to be, like, hey, I know, like, your favorite staff quit and, like, I can support you through that versus me being, like, like, I can't talk to you that much today because, like, I'm really stressed about things happening. Like, you know, I'm really tired because I, like, can't sleep that much because it takes Mm -hmm. me, like, a really long time to get here or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really um, sad, but hopefully we can get things to change. Well, I I personally just think that anybody that is in this, the support field and anything you know medical support um you know hospice um or anything anything doing with helping other people be it like social services things like that i think they need to be compensated more they need they need they need more income because of the fact that they're helping other people you know Uh, Tyson Uh. yeah no I agree it's like I don't know I feel like kind of to what I can't remember who said it at the meeting yesterday but just about how capitalism and productivity doesn't like it's just not like a good system oh yeah I I know which one has said that I just can't remember Yeah. yeah because it's like um it's one of those things where it's like who are we really valuing? Like, yeah. you know, at the day program that I worked at, it's like, I definitely believe that the president needs, like, deserves the money that she earns. And she probably realistically isn't getting paid enough. And, you know, like, the works that she does, like, I couldn't do it. You know, she yeah. does administrative work. She goes to the Capitol a lot. Yeah. I think, like, she deserves, you know, what she's earned. But at the same time, I don't think it's fair that, you know, like the lowest job which is is considered to be like being a dsp like i mean in terms of like hierarchy of like who gets paid how much it's yeah. like that's not fair either because it's like i'm the one that does the most lifting the most direct care the most like you know running around the most yeah like, like it, it, depending on like yeah like so like i was exactly how I, i'm glad you brought that up um i think if you do a lot more manual labor that you should be paid more. Mm-hmm. So like, and I can give you a great, great example. Janitors. Yeah. Janitors have to clean up from everybody's mess. Like, take out the trash, clean the bathrooms, mm-hmm. um, do all that stuff. And they do that to make the one, the, the place clean, but also to make it sanitary for other people. And it's like, you don't, you think of these people, you know, that are going out of their way to fix things in, like, maintenance work and stuff, and yet they don't get paid that much. And it's like, you would think that they get more because of how much induced labor they do. And it's, I just... Do you have more than one phone? Yeah, this is Jason... Uh, yeah, I, I have him uh, uh, as the Prince phone, the, the for Prince ringtone, because he used to be Prince's bodyguard. 
He, he, was, he used to work for Prince when he was alive, and he did a lot of the bodyguard work before he went to Walmart. And uh, so, yeah, uh, he was, like, one of the bodyguards that helped him uh, when he was, like, really big back in the 90s, I think it was. So cool. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So it was nice that he could do that. But it's like, so that that... that that way I know if, like, if it's Prince, I know it's Jason calling me. And he lives at the Madison over there, so. But, um, anyway, going back to what I was saying, that I, I, I do support higher wages for people that have more labor. Um, and, like, you know how mechanics get good money because they charge parts and labor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and electricians, they do the same. Plumbers, they do the same. But yet... People that like DSPs or people that are management are not management maintenance and all that stuff. They don't get paid the amount they should be getting paid. Well, and on it's top like, of that, too, it's like a lot of those lower jobs are where people with disabilities are getting hired. Like yeah, and so it's just like a catch twenty two because it's like already hard enough for like a lot of those people to get jobs in the first place. But yeah. You know, we read this article about how there's this guy who, he has a son who has Downs. We read this for the fellowship, but there's this guy who has a son who has Down syndrome. And he's like, I think he's super interested in, um, I want to say it's marine biology or something. Like, he knows a ton about it. Like, wants to work with, like, marine life um, and stuff. But... Like, and you know, for a while, like, they really supported him, but then they kind of got to the area where it's, like, I feel like a lot of families with people who have IDDs go through this, where the transition from high school to transition program is really hard. It is, yeah. And, you know, there's just this kind of, like, underlying, like, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go high school transition program and then you're going to go to a day program or like some kind of workshop like yeah and that's all you can aspire to be like that's the only place that you can go and maybe if they prepare you enough you can go out in the community and if you're really 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 lucky you might be able to move out of the house or like move into um like a semi like independent living situation yeah. and it's just not fair because you know if you automatically assume that someone can't reach higher than you know like a super supported program um which i'm not saying is you know those programs aren't necessarily bad like some people do need more support but some people don't and a lot of people could be a lot more independent if we could assume from the get-go that like if we give them the right tools like they would be able to hold down like jobs that are really fulfilling because some people might like being a janitor or maintenance worker or whatever but other people, like, you know, maybe they want an, a job where they, like, interact with people more. Mm-hmm. Like, we should be able to give people the opportunities that they want to have. But because, you know, the one that I hear all the time that makes me really angry is when people are like, oh, well, you know, they can't work as fast as someone else who's able-bodied. And it's like, well, you know, or so they say that and then they'll be like I can't pay you minimum wage and it's like well you know that person might not be producing the same amount but they're also probably putting in all of their work just like the person who can do something faster you know like maybe maybe this like the system needs to be changed yes. so that you know 
the value of someone's productivity shouldn't be based on money or time or whatever. No. It should be based yeah. on, like, I don't know, something else, like their initiative or, or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think that people just need to be more inclusive. So, you know, because if we were more inclusive from the get-go, I think that these problems would be less and less tolerated over time. Exactly. You know, yeah. more people had like had exposure to working with people with disabilities or like incorporating yep. them in their communities and um like changing like drastically changing their mindsets. Like a lot of these things that people will say are so radical, like paying people with disabilities more than minimum wage, like wouldn't really be that radical because it's like I don't know, like, I've definitely done jobs where, like, I'm slower than other people because I take more time to do something, but no one's like, well, I have to pay you less then because you're slower than this person, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, if I need to be slower to do a good job, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna slow down a little bit. Mm -hmm. We all need to slow down a little bit, I think, in general, anyway. Yeah, yeah. And I agree with that, too. It's just... I think if we could have people that are based on, not based on the productivity, but based on their endurance and their, their, their longevity and their, their, um, adamant and, and, and what's reliable and, and it's like, instead of having it be like, 90% you know uh, accurate that it'd be like even though they're going slow it's it's 100% accurate that you know depending on the accuracy of how they get their job done rather than like the productivity of how they get their job done so like yeah yeah it's it's one of those things that I myself I myself for one like to be more accurate at the job than being productive and like especially at the job at the movie theater when it's like really super busy you know trying to get that bucket of popcorn and then then like it's one of those things that okay I'm going to scoop in the pop, bu- bucket of popcorn and then put the popcorn in there but then like I bring it to the person is like can you top it off and I'm like well you know so now like I have to go back yeah. put more in it so like just being productive, uh, you know, that's why when I'm slower, I make sure that it's topped off, that it's like a mound over and, yeah. you know, rather than having people, you know, because like my, my manager, I, I love her to death. She, she's amazing, but it's like, you have to be faster. And I'm like, well, people are just, you know, want their, their order to be right. They don't want it to be fast i mean yes they want it fast but they want it to be right they don't want you know you know so it's like one of those things that i just think like you said i don't think we should base it on the fastness or the quickness of it but how how the quality of it you know yeah yeah in general like i don't think capitalism really works for anyone no or like besides the people at the top but then yeah it's just like and you know, when spaces for people with disabilities, like, are present, present, like, everybody can feel comfortable. 
Yeah. You know, like one thing that I really like is like, um, there was like a room of the day program that I worked in that was like always dark. And like, I have really sensitive eyes. So like being in that room where it was darker was so much better for me because I was able to like concentrate more because like my eyes weren't hurting or like, yeah. you yeah. know, just being in quieter spaces, like it, like a lot of the, like I found like a lot of things that are supposed to like, that are maybe supposed to be more specific to to being accommodating for people with disabilities, like, also really helped me just, like, with my anxiety. Like, there's just some places where, like, you know, people were, like, more understanding or, yeah. like, the, the place was calmer so that I could take the time to, like, like, pick myself back up again before, like, going out and doing whatever. It's, like, you know, once we include everybody in spaces, it's, like, no one feels... Yeah, and, yeah, and, and again, inclusion and not exclusion. Yeah, it just... Don't make everything exclusive. Make make it inclusive because like a lot of these, you know, Facebook groups like you have are exclusive. Like you know, for people that are, you know, either people with autism or people that have tabby cats or people, you know, all <laughs> these, like you know, just they make it so exclusive that you know they want people to. It's just geared towards a certain demographic. And we need more groups that are more inclusive mm-hmm. so that, that, you know, they don't have just a certain, like, father-daughter or, or whatever. But, like, say, like, you know, make it more broad. Yeah. Abroad. Yeah, abroad. So, like, make it people that, you know, anybody can join it, really. But it's like... Yeah, a lot of these Facebook groups or any kind of groups are more geared toward like a certain group of people. And I think inclusion would be really good for any group would be. Yeah, I think the strength in like having sometimes more specific groups is like finding pockets of people who can really relate to a specific experience or a specific interest. Yeah, I think there's definitely a benefit there. But I also think that, like, for example, if, and I mean, I think there can be room for, like, you know, if you have a group of, like, people who, like, all of the people in this group have autism, for example, and this is a place where they can talk to each other and be comfortable and talk about issues related to ableism, I think that space being inclusive or exclusive is fine because, you know, like, it's really hard for people to feel comfortable if, like, all of a sudden, like, one parent comments on a thread and is like oh you shouldn't do this or blah 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 or you're being ridiculous but i think there is also there should also be room for like maybe a separate group where like you know things aren't gonna get better for people with disabilities if people who are neurotypical or able-bodied or whatever like they need to be a part of the conversation too not because like they need to be accommodated but because they need to like learn like i mean a really big issue with people with disabilities moving forward is just because historically like everybody has been so isolated you know like special ed rooms are isolated you know state hospitals are isolated group homes are isolated like you know all of these spaces where it's like you know even like certain social clubs it's like um like it's really important for like people to go to social clubs where like they have other people with disabilities to support them and i don't think they should change but i think there should also be spaces where 
people who don't have exposure to people with disabilities need to get to know people with disabilities because you know like sometimes it's hard because people say really weird things (coughs) to me so i'm sorry that we got interrupted in the end of our podcast but um to finish off what Allie was saying she was saying that um people say certain things about her sister um and they don't see the full picture they don't see that she's capable of doing so much more or that she's um they don't have the same background as Allie or or even her sister does so basically it was just her summing up saying that people say certain things about her sister and it's like okay like yeah it's just it's weird how people tend to judge and and like give you that weird smile or that that you know you know sympathetic look or whatever and it's it's sad but anyway um she had to leave and I was not able to record the whole podcast but it was pretty close to the end anyway um but uh please I apologize for shutting it off short I wanted to get to a good stopping point and I I know it was in the middle of what she was saying but I I think that was relevant that I wanted to add that on to there so I just I'm sorry that it didn't continue so Anyway, um, I hope that uh, you all have a wonderful um, rest of your week. I'm going to try to do another podcast here shortly, hopefully in the next couple of days. It probably won't be an interview, but this is uh, Ali Khan is my first guest. And I'm going to try to get more people to uh, be guests on my podcast, talking about certain things on the disabled front uh, and things like that. So anyway, um, have a wonderful rest of your day. And uh, please subscribe and share this podcast. Okay, thank you. Bye.